Welcome everyone to the Go With Him podcast. My name is Yasmin. I'm the founder of Sanya. And this is going to be the second podcast of 2023 with my beautiful friend Alex, um, who I've invited here to just have an informal conversation. One of my intentions behind the podcast is to check in with you all, the Go With Him podcast audience, because it's been quite a while since I've podcasted. Um, and I just wanted to give a little bit of an update of what's been going on at Sanya. Some of you listeners are even not even living in Malta, so maybe you're a bit disconnected from Sanya. So I wanted to share with you some of the things that I've been up to and how that's going to feed into this podcast and how it's going to feed into the vision of 2023. This was actually supposed to be the first podcast of the year, but I ended up sneaking in another one yesterday. So there were, you know, a little bit of a few drops of what I've been up to over the last few months. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a bit of a deeper dive into the state of Sanya and uh, my own personal journey. So thanks, Al, for being here and coming to explore with me. Yes, thank you for always inviting me. And um, yeah, I'm excited also even to hear from my side what's been going on and um, a lot of your journey over the past year, because I know it's been a powerful one. And I'm sure that, you know, your listeners will benefit a lot from hearing the growth and the change and what's been happening. So yeah, always a pleasure. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So where to start? I don't know. I mean, you you kind of, you know, teased in a little bit there that 2022 was a really big year for me um, on my own personal (laughs) journey. I think it's going to be one of those years that I look back at and think, wow, that was a really significant change within myself. Um, Like mostly on the personal side, you mean? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Like my Mm -hmm. own inner work um, really ramped up that year. And it so was automatically that kind of reflects in, in your business, right? And Sanya and yes and no, mm, okay. um, because I was so kind of overwhelmed by my own processes and I was doing so much of, you know, so much of my focus went onto my own healing that I do feel like it kind of maybe took away a little bit from my creativity outward. Um, but it was also necessary and that's going to kind of fuel into the longer term vision, right? Sometimes you need to just kind of stop putting things out into the world and just take that moment to go within (laughs) and realign yourself and recharge yourself. And a lot of the things that I've been teaching here at Sanya over the past few years were the product of work that I did, you know, in the beginning of my journey and, and obviously ongoing, but... I feel like the work that I did this year is going to feed into the next, you know, few years of Sanya because obviously there are a lot of things that others will relate to. And I, I think it's really powerful because often, you know, sometimes we think, okay, I did my work and then like, that's it. I'm good now. I don't need to keep working on myself. And this is a real testimony, testimony to like the fact that it's a, a lifelong journey, you know, going within and working on yourself. And just when you have resolved certain things within, then, you know, deeper layers arise. And I'm sure this is what is going to be um, what you're sharing about, because obviously I have a bit of insight because I hear. Um, yeah, so I don't know, how would you like to start about maybe maybe the practices that have supported you, supported you um, through your through a journey? Yeah, so I think obviously CI has been a huge part of the year. So maybe I can give a little bit of an explanation about what CI is. So for those of you that don't know, um, CI is compassionate inquiry. It's a method of therapy 
that was created by Dr. Gabor Mate, who is one of the world-renowned experts on trauma, childhood healing, and addiction. And I have been very attracted to his work in general because it, you know, very much links to a lot of the things that I've experienced in my previous, um, in all the previous work that I've done on myself. And uh, thanks to inspiration from a friend of mine who was also doing the course and really speaking very highly about the work and also witnessing, you know, her own journey of transformation through it. I, I really, my curiosity really got piqued. Um, so I decided to undertake this one year professional training. And exactly as I started the course, a lot of things happened in my personal life that were super painful. So it was you know, a glorious coincidence. <laughs> glorious. I didn't feel glorious at the time, but not fun, but but powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was it was super challenging because the method itself basically is a form of talk therapy where the therapists who are trained in compassionate inquiry, they lead you through an inquiry into a trigger that's coming up. So usually when you start a session, you'd have an intention of what you want to work with that day. So, for example, you could have overreacted with a friend and you come into the therapy and you say, I want to explore why I overreacted or why I'm feeling guilty because I overreacted or whatever that is. What's deeper behind that? You know, exactly. Um, so, yeah, you, you go in to this therapy with this intention and then the therapist will ask these questions that Gabor has, you know, formulated as a methodology. But it's also very somatic. So they take you a lot into the body, into feeling the body. So, you know, if you say, okay, I got triggered, they take you to the trigger and say, okay, let's take a few breaths into the body and see what's the sensation, you know, and then what's the feeling? And you, you start exploring in a very soft and gentle way. So in this course, I've been learning how to you know, use this methodology, but also it involves a lot of work on yourself because you need to have this method done onto you um, at least once a week, if not more. So that's already, you know, you're doing a lot of therapy. Um, we've been joking in our course this week, like we're all therapied out, you know, I've done so much therapy <laughs> in the last six to eight months. Um, but the method itself has been hugely supportive for me at that time when a lot of other pain was coming up. So it's like, I didn't have to dig too deep. The pain was already active. Like every time, you know, I had this intention because I was, uh -huh. yeah, it was really sort of disturbing my life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I needed that support to process it and find the root of it so that I could manage it. Um, yes, and, and I think what's maybe a bit different to the, let's say the um, regular talk therapies, it's a lot about the body, right? Like what you said, somatics. Maybe you can elaborate on that because for some people, maybe it's a new experience to sort of like get, let's say, the insight from the physical feelings in the body. And also, you know, the fact that this is often trauma that comes from childhood, you know, and you somehow find yourself back in that age, right? In a very surreal way. But until you experience it, it's almost hard to even believe that suddenly you find yourself almost like back into a pain that you had when you were seven and... It's so present suddenly from being, you know, 30s, 40s, it's still there. You know, that when I had experienced um, CI, it was like really surprising for me. And it, also it's a bit surreal. Maybe you can elaborate a bit on that. Yes, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, the somatic approach, which basically just means a body-based approach to therapy, for me, wasn't something that came naturally. I'm a very analytical person. I'm very re reflective. I use my mind a lot to make sense of the world. 
So when I started, you know, really going into the body, it brought up a lot. Um, and as I said, I was going through things that were painful already, which pain is a very, you know, physical experience. Um, and what I realized through the therapy was that by going into the body, I was tapping into emotions that were very overwhelming to me. And they're overwhelming because when we're a child, we don't know how to process. So we have to kind of numb and tamper down you know, these emotions because especially if we don't have an adult who can really feel and attune and give us that support, um, which many adults not sort of as a bad intention or as a lack of love, but they don't necessarily always know what the child needs. And sometimes um, we parent from a place of, oh, I didn't get this in my childhood, so I'm going to give this to my kids, as opposed to, okay, what do children need to develop? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that children need the most, which sadly a lot of us don't get to the extent that maybe would be ideal, is this safe, attuned presence from our caregivers who can help us learn to hold the emotion. And also accept it fully, yeah. rather than like not wanting our child to be sad or upset or exactly. screaming. Exactly. You can't hold uh -huh. space for an emotion if you're not accepting it, right? Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, this is why it's very important for adults and especially parents to do the work on themselves mm -hmm. because they are, they can only hold space for their kids' emotions to the mm -hmm. extent that they can hold space for their own. It's the same with a therapist. A therapist can only hold space for your emotion to the extent that they've held space for your own. If you have grief come up in a therapy session and the therapist is a bit uncomfortable with her own grief or his grief, then he's going to resist it and he's going to try and give you a solution and he's going to subtly try and subconsciously uh, with the mind, give you a message that it's not okay to feel that mm -hmm. way. So... Yeah, the, the somatic approach of the body and learning how to feel safe, to feel our own emotions is critical for healing. And for me personally, it really opened up a whole new level of connection with myself and connection with my feelings because I slowly managed to expand my capacity to feel things that as a child, I didn't know how to feel. Yes, and that that's a, a survival mechanism, right? Like as a child, when we go through something, let's say, that's very difficult and hard for us to, to process, then it, it also makes sense that we can't process it because we don't know how, we're not mature enough yet. And we create this mechanism, right, that we pr go protect ourselves so we don't feel it. The issue is then when that plays out till we're an adult without us doing any work on it. So that's why I think it's so powerful because it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we're, you know, there's a limit to how much our parents can support us growing up. But if we literally can't process that pain because we're too young, it's like something we all need to experience in a way, this healing of that childhood trauma, because no matter how great our parents are, it's still going to happen at some point. Exactly. And and the world is a harsh place, you know, so even if pain doesn't come from you know, anything wrong with the family situation, sometimes relatives die, relatives or friends die or accidents happen or some kids Bullying, end, up, uh, end up, you know, getting a health condition and having to be separated from their mother. Or There are so many things about life which are hard. And yes, you're totally right that thank God we have this mechanism to numb our emotions because sometimes we need it to survive. But what really helps us to survive actually really blocks us in our adulthood because an adult's brain is different, right? Like an adult has the capacity or at least the potential capacity to be able to hold their own emotion and to regulate their own nervous system with support and with skills and so on, whereas a child doesn't. And it's not even just about not being able to hold 
the emotion. It's also, we all start at a developmental level, sort of totally narcissistic as a baby, right? And then as we slowly age, we go into different developmental stages. Um, But kids, especially, you know, below the age of 10, are inherently narcissistic, right? Like it's all about them. So, which is a natural thing, but that unfortunately leads to the creation of many beliefs because then when things go wrong, kids automatically blame themselves. Mm. A kid doesn't have the capacity to say, okay, well, you know, this person snapped at me. Maybe they're having a bad day. Mm -hmm. A kid will say they don't love me. Because it's all about them. Yes. Right? And that's that's how we are in, when we're in our ego, even as adults. We make it all about us. Yes. And I, I don't know how many people I've spoken to who had parents who split up. And the, the child really easily feels like it's their fault. Even if it completely isn't. You know, yeah. it's such that's a common... That's a, a total classic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, separations happen. People, you know, lose compatibility. Maybe they don't make each other happy anymore. And it is a natural part of life that some relationships don't last, you know, the distance. But obviously when there are kids involved, that has an impact on the children. And it's not about, you know, saying you have to stay together, not to damage the kids. But it's about, okay, how can we support the kids to actually process um, and are are they in the age where they can be given the tools because that's not even always possible right like sometimes kids are just too young to be able to make sense of this Um, but even if it happens when they're younger at least when they're older um, me and Simon were talking yesterday about sorting out your emotional inheritance Mm. right like (laughs) it's okay for kids to get hurt but it's about how do we support them to make sense of that pain so that they don't create beliefs about themselves that they're not going to sabotage them for the rest of their life and especially in their own relationships. Um, it's a very, you know, um, delicate subject, you know, because we don't, it's not about blaming anyone for doing anything wrong, but it's about how can we bring more supportive mechanisms to parents as well, because, you know, it's hard to be a parent nowadays. And especially for many women, you know, they're balancing, you know, being a mother with running their own business or having a career, very often looking after their own parents or their in-laws. There's so much pressure and it's not always easy to find the time to self-regulate yourself and mm-hmm. to, to do the things that are actually going to help you cope with your own stresses, let alone then also have the responsibility of holding space for for kids. Yes, uh uh-huh. Uh, I can really feel that. I, I I I get this feedback from a lot of people I know, and it's there's some sadness to it as well because it's you know generally parents you feel that they just want so much care for their child, but they're balancing so many things at the same time. And I guess my question is like because uh, I know that if we do take time for self-regulation, actually, even though we have so many more other responsibilities, it can actually support so much more those that whole other process. Because often I feel like, even to myself, I'm like, oh, I don't have time to meditate. And there's this saying, you know, that um, the more med- you meditate, the more time you get, which, you know, in the mind doesn't really work that out. But I think it's the same with regulating your nervous system and, you know, dealing with these sort of trapped traumas from yeah. childhood. I think we have a lot of guilt Um, and other emotions that sabotage us from looking after ourselves. 
So, I mean, I have many clients, you know, who are mothers who find it difficult to prioritize their own well-being, which is totally understandable because a mother is programmed that if she has to choose between her child's well-being or her own, she's going to choose the child. Like, it's just biological instinct, you know, to protect the child. Um, And actually, I think we sort of need as a society, you know, to really see how can we help mothers as well so that, you know, Gabor always tells this story which really touched me about a mother bear. And how a mother bear doesn't need to choose between looking after her and her cubs. Because nature has provided for her. She has food at hand. She has community. There's never any time where she has to choose. Whereas us in our modern life, we constantly have to choose. Like, am I going to drive my kid to her ballet lesson? Or am I going to take an hour to go to my own yoga class? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a choice that we've created as a society by the way that we have structured and the responsibilities and the pressure and the choices that we've made. And I think we do need to kind of take a step back and saying, like, are we doing enough to help, especially mothers? Because realistically, um, the burden does fall more on the the mothers than the fathers. Um, And, you know, again, like. Also, how can we support fathers, right? Because they play a huge role in parenting and in supporting the the mothers too. So I think, you know, our modern lives are so driven by, you know, material success and, you know, the idea of being a financially, a financial provider and getting financial success that we somehow need to like rebalance the table so that actually the work that we do to emotionally provide and to emotionally nurture has more importance and if you look at ancient tribes they had this like mm-hmm. they they really put a lot of importance into the emotional nurturing yes and also like a deep trust that if we do focus on these sort of things that regulate us and support us then everything else will also be supported yeah. you know directly yeah another thing that i really learned um is that one of the reasons why we don't care for ourselves at least i can say from personal experience but i think it's maybe something that others will resonate with too because i had this coping mechanism of being a child of numbing my emotions in adulthood it was very easy to numb the emotions that say take care of yourself or maybe you should say no to this because you're already used to numbing your feelings and putting them aside so what i realized was when i went back to that inner child and said okay hold on like really you shouldn't not you shouldn't have but sort of there, there is another way other than numbing your emotions right there is an actual listening to them and holding them and even when they're uncomfortable being able to communicate with them and when i did that and i yeah came closer to letting my inner child voice her needs it transformed into a more natural desire to look after myself because suddenly you know if someone says oh you know I want to have a session at 8 p.m. Suddenly I'm more in tune with that part of me that's like, I'm going to be really tired if I do that. Whereas before I could have numbed that and just said, yes, okay, because I'm seeing it from a mental point of view. I'm like, that person needs help. So yes, I'll help them without being very present with, okay, hold on, but how's that going to make me feel? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then tomorrow, how am I going to show up with my clients or at work? So it, it was a really huge realization for me to realize the connection between how easy or hard it is to look after ourselves and how connected we are with our inner child, how much we've let those needs of the inner child be voiced. So yes, in my case, uh-huh. it, it really shifted me in a very deep way. 
Yes, it's funny because I had the same situation yesterday. I, I wanted actually to come here and film something and I was like, it was eight o'clock after the yoga class and I'm like, oh, it feels so late and I was going to come. And then at some point I'm so tired. I'm like, I need to take care of myself and I'm really happy I did that. But it's taken me years to get to this point, whereas a year ago I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have just not listened and it's exactly what you're saying and oh, it's a big, it's a learning curve. And it's it's like this program, right? Like we've, we've had this program from a young age to constantly react in that certain way. Then it's like a something that keeps running itself until we take active choices to to notice the program and then stray away from that that program that keeps replaying over and over again. And it's when I experienced a compassionate inquiry. For me, it was a very surreal experience because I, I felt like I had this voice inside of me that when I was really feeling into what was going on, almost like a voice talking to me and protecting me and being like, no, this pain is, is too much. You know, like, like, I'm like, why am I not wanting to feel it? And I could feel like almost a being inside of me. It was like, no, it's too much for you to feel. And the, the, the therapist was guiding me to actually talk to this voice and be like, listen, you've helped me with this when I was a child and like, thank you. But now I can, I can handle it. I can handle this pain. And I literally had this conversation with this voice in my head saying, thank you. This served me when I was younger, but now I can handle this pain. And it was so profound for me. It changed a lot. And, uh, yeah, I think one of the great services that Dr. Gabor Mata has given the world is just this, and not just him, because there are many other people, you know, like him, um, professionals working in this field, but they've really given a more mainstream understanding of just how important our childhoods are. Because a lot of us have this resistance, you know, we love our parents, so there's a part of us that doesn't want to say, oh, they did this wrong, or they made this mistake, you know, we, we almost feel like, to acknowledge an experience is to blame, which they're not, they're two different things, but there is a, a sense of guilt and a sense of sort of respect that sometimes gets in the way of just, you know, being able to honor the truth of our experience. Um, and also, you know, many people just say, oh, it's in the past now, why do I need to go back there? Or um, just, uh, there's so many reasons, right? That we give ourselves not to open that can of worms again. And it's exactly as you say, it's partly because it's so overwhelming and it brings up a lot of complex emotions that need guidance and need support to be sorted through. Yes. Um, even something that you shared, you know, like about your protector and talking to that protector and, and understanding it and giving compassion to it mm -hmm. and, and learning these mechanisms, you know, it's not always easy to get to that stage where we're compassionate. A lot of people feel very frustrated that they can't feel their pain mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or very sort of self-judgmental that, oh, you know, I should be able to feel it or I should, you know, we, we do a lot of this mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. stuff. So I did that as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, the, the word compassion and compassionate mm -hmm. inquiry, I think, is very significant and very beautiful yes. that we have to learn how to be very compassionate with uh -huh. ourselves and the reasons why we feel the way we do today and the reasons why we take certain choices Yes, uh -huh. um, I'll just share like my, my short experience on this because um, it's it's exactly what you were saying. I was doing a process where I was connecting to some child, childhood pain that I had where um, my dad wouldn't always make it to my plays or my sports days or my, I don't know, parent-teacher things and or he'd come late and, and I was connecting to that pain of like him arriving late or not showing up and like almost going back to those sports days looking out for him, you know, and 
Then when I was acknowledging it, I'm like, wait, but my dad, you know, he was working, he was trying to take care of me. He was just doing his own thing to like take care of me, you know, and it's maybe not what I wanted as a child, but he was, he was still giving me love in his own way. But I was disregarding that pain that I was had as a child because it was, oh, it was uncomfortable coming back up. I'm like, man, I'm like almost 35 now. Like I'm still going to mourn that my dad didn't come to my sports day, you know? And then I was disregarding that I should feel that pain because no, my dad was loving me and he did his best and I don't even deserve to allow myself to feel that pain. And then the, you know, the therapist supported me to allow that to surface and realize that it's not about him or what he did, but it's about that pain that wasn't allowed to be felt and I'm feeling it now and that's how I can move through it. It was super powerful for me and it's, I could see how I was catching myself. No, I, I, I don't deserve to feel this pain because he was doing his best. So it's yeah. not, it's not yeah. relevant. Again. It's not even relevant. My mind was trying to like, again, make an escape mechanism to get out of feeling it because it's like, no, I don't deserve to feel this pain because he was doing yeah. his best. You know, it's yeah, amazing. That's, that's what we do, right? Like uh, we rationalize and create uh -huh. stories and beliefs around every emotion that's hard to feel. Uh -huh. um, and it's subtle because that's the mechanism. That's the like, oh, no, no, I don't need to feel that pain. Like, you know, it's, it's past, it's in the past now. Incredible. Huh? Yeah, I mean, it's it's super vulnerable to feel those kind of pains, right? Because we we do judge ourselves and say like, oh my god, I'm 35. Do I really need to cry for this seven year old, you know, <laughs> experience? Um, but the thing is that that experience is showing up today, right? And that's where we have to be a bit honest and say, yeah, this is why I like that we start with today's triggers, right? Because let's say your boyfriend was late to meet you. Right. And instead of just being totally relaxed and saying, okay, he, whatever X, Y, Z happened, you would feel that pain. That I mean, that's what happens to me. <laughs> it's true. No, it's, 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 it's it totally. happens to all of us. Because it triggers that old feeling of like not being uh, maybe prioritized in the eyes of a child, exactly. you know. And the beauty about compassionate inquiry is that you go back to that child and understand the beliefs that they created. Yes. So, for example, I'm not putting words in your mouth here, but just as an example, which might be correct or not. That child believed, oh, I have to justify, you know, his action by his work, for example, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then that same belief that that child will be created comes into your adulthood. So now we're justifying, you know, not listening to pain by working, overworking ourselves. Yes. Right? And we're putting away our own emotions for a rational reason, which... Again, like it helped us and it was great that we had it. But now do we want to relate to our pain in that way? Or do we just want to give it voice? Because as soon as you let yourself grieve for that seven, ten, whatever, who didn't have her dad yes. at sports day, it totally dissolves. The pain mm -hmm. of it dissolves. Yes, yes, exactly. So we're either yes. going to keep carrying it and pretending that we don't have it and just saying, oh, no, it's in the past. Oh, no, you know, I can totally understand why my dad did that or blah, blah, blah. But the reality is it's still showing up and controlling our lives. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we just stop and hold it, yes, it's vulnerable. Yes, it's, you know, sometimes even embarrassing, you know, to have to bring up issues that as an adult can feel so petty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They weren't petty as a child mm -hmm. and we're still carrying them in our nervous system. So I can say like it's super brave to do this work because honestly, um, I have a lot of support mechanism and a lot of experience and I still struggled. And... It really, you know, gave me this just respect, you know, for all the people willing to do this work because it is vulnerable and there are going to be times where you're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, maybe it was just easier to stay suppressed and stay, you know, 
No, it's true. Yes, because in the short term, in a way. In the short uh-huh, term, yes. it's easier. Uh-huh. It's more stable. Like, I uh-huh. really struggled some days at work because I couldn't focus and pain was coming up. And I, I really judged myself because I was like, you know, I have responsibilities. People need me. I can't, you know, just be a wreck for month after month. And as the months went by of me struggling, I got harder on myself because it's been six months now. I should have it figured out. You know, it's been seven months. So I should have it figured out. And I mean, I was laughing because Elle, you know, witnessed a lot of my moments where I just was really overcome with grief. And every time, like I was giving her all of these reasons why I shouldn't be feeling it. And she would just look at me and laugh and just be like, you know, like, and I could witness myself resisting it. And I was laughing at myself, but at the same time, I had to really, I had to really own the fact that I was putting all this pressure on myself to be any different to how I was, you know, and and the vulnerability that comes with, okay, now I have this identity, I'm the CEO of a major company and I'm here and I just am feeling, you know, really grief stricken and mm-hmm. I don't want to go to work, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously the judgments and the pressures that you put on yourself, they also have their own root. Yes. And I think if you can just, when I actually just stopped and said like, you know what, like out of the however many decades I'm going to live, like just taking one year, even if it took me one year, like, is that okay? And I, I just imagine myself speaking to a client who came to me and was going through a bit of a, I call it a midlife crisis because that's how it felt. <laughs> like, would I tell them, like, it's totally okay to just take a few months and not be at your best and do your best, but you're not at your best and that's okay. Um, and just honor the healing process. Um, and it took me many months of resistance to get to that point of grace. So I can't say I just, you know, gracefully surrendered into it. I My ego fought and my, you know, my pain body or whatever it was yes. really fought against it but in a way this this resistance this pain body again it's this mechanism that was built specifically to protect you that's just kind of still lingering you know so it, yes it's but a... also i think sometimes we have to experience deep pain to mm-hmm. change like realistically if it's if it hadn't been as painful as it was, I think there are many coping mechanisms which I would have just carried on mm-hmm. with because they were working. Yes. You know, like people often tell me like, wow, you have such capacity, you're running Shireburn and you're running Sanyan, like you do so much, like how do you do it? And I got to the point within the CI where I, I kind of saw that even though I can, do I want to? Mm-hmm. You know, do I want to keep on like loading this capacity on myself? Or do I want to design my life in a way that I can do it all without putting my own needs aside? which of course I can, right? It's just about giving that need space. And once you have that need, you will figure out, you know, the logistics of how to make that work. Um, So again, if I hadn't gotten to the point where it was hard to go to work, I'd have just carried on. But because it was hard, then I had to really question, okay, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Why am I making the choices? Why am I, um, why have I been, you know, putting certain needs aside? And there is, you know, it's a cliche that sometimes pain is the only way that we really learn. But I have to say, looking back now, feeling a lot more emotionally stable, I wouldn't change it, you know, because I think I needed to suffer that much <laughs> to be able to unfold a new way of being. So yes, the pain is there because of our ego and our pain body and our trauma. But at the same time, it's also there as a teacher no i actually what i meant was the the resistance to the pain mm-hmm. you know because that's something that we created to, to protect ourselves but we don't need that anymore yeah you know uh-huh. it's hard to let it go uh-huh. i i started practicing this thing of like i trying to empathize with the judger with the yeah. person who's judging you know because yeah. like oh why am i you know judging myself empathizing with the fact that i'm judging oh i'm yeah. judging because you know actually i just need some empathy to mm-hmm. the fact that it's not going the way i wish you yeah. know and 
Yes, uh-huh. so powerful. Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for just, again, cliche, but surrendering to how we feel. And it's ironic that we have to learn it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But we do. Um, and I was saying this in the podcast yesterday that, you know, it's like no matter how perfect our lives were, if we had no trauma at all, if we had the perfect upbringing, if we weren't hurt in any single way, it's kind of like the story of Siddhartha. I don't know if you've read that book. Um, I think you might have shared it with me. It's a really, really beautiful book. And it's the story of a prince um, who later became the Buddha. So he started as Siddhartha. And he was born into a royal family and his father, the king, wanted to completely protect him so that he would never see anyone old, anyone sick or anyone poor. So he wanted to like keep his heart like intact so he'd never see any suffering. So he lived in this like walled palace of the kingdom in this just totally protected environment. Um, and one day he just like had enough and he, he just escaped and went out into the world. And he started seeing you know, all the pain and all of the suffering and it sort of really, really disturbed him. And... He, he got so shocked that he was like, okay, I need to find a way to transcend this pain. You know, so he went and he did all of this like really hardcore meditation where he was like doing this penance and like really um, breaking his body. Um, and at a point he just realized that like the futility of that. And he just went like fully into embracing the human. You know, he started drinking and having sex and partying and just like completely embracing the human experience. Um, and then that sort of led to this transition of, transitioning out of both of those Um, and the reason why I mentioned it is because we have this or I had this impression that you know if there's pain there's something wrong Mm -hmm, you know and mm -hmm, if we just mm -hmm. use psychology enough and if we just use uh, spirituality enough then there's nothing painful Mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm. world and the truth is that that is a complete illusion like pain is just a natural part of life, right? Like yes. even in even in nature, a storm comes and a tree, a really old, beautiful tree gets struck by lightning and it collapses, right? Yes, like there was yes, no yes. one's trauma that created that. Yes, it's uh, just a natural yes. thing. And no matter how enlightened you are, if you see that, you will still feel it in your heart. Yes. Um, so I like this idea of kind of like just embracing pain as a part of life as opposed to because we're traumatized or because we're unaware or because Mm -hmm. that's not to say that increasing your awareness and healing your trauma doesn't make it easier to stop resisting that pain and be at peace with it and not resist it because it totally does but one of the huge realizations I had was that there was a part of me that was seeking to find a solution to all of this pain, you know, through all of the different stuff that I've done. And yes, and also, you know, you, you're like me, you're like a, a fixer, you yes. know, a doer, and you want to always find a solution. And I realize this when I'm with my friends, sometimes they just want me to hear them and I'm like trying to find uh, solutions to all their problems. Yeah. Yes, uh, and it's, ah. it's again, like this, there's this quote that I really love, which is um, like, so pain is inevitable in human beings, but suffering is not accepting pain. Optional. You know, exactly. Suffering is optional. Yeah, <laughs> optional. And suffering is when we don't accept that pain. Yeah. But pain is something we can't avoid as humans. Yeah. So such a difference between these two things. You know, often we're in suffering because we just can't accept that we're in pain. Because yeah. we're in a society where it's, pain is not something that's favorable. And I noticed this when when I was younger, at least now I, I feel a bit, I can do it better now. But I'd see one of my friends, like just start crying. And in the beginning, when I was younger, I'd be like, no, don't cry. You know, because we don't want to see them in pain. And mostly because it's, it makes us so uncomfortable because it's triggered our own pain. Mm-hmm. 
you know and so but because i see that in the other person and it triggers my discomfort i'm like don't want to be this don't be in pain no don't cry don't cry it's okay it's okay yeah. everything's gonna be okay but in reality the the best thing i could offer them is just okay your pain is welcome you can feel it and you know this is the space now to to embrace that yeah those mm-hmm. i mean this is the biggest lesson we can give kids you know that it's okay for them to express whatever emotion they need to express but very often we think helping them is for them but actually it's because seeing them in pain causes us distress you know so we try to fix it you know for them but also for us mm-hmm. and i think you know the more we get accustomed to holding pain then the more we can just give a loving presence to them in that moment um and yeah it's it's a journey right it's something that we have to work to develop this quality but it has so many benefits to it and I think the quality of our human relationships is really struggling in today's modern world. You know, I think if you look back at when people lived a more subsistence lifestyle and there was a lot more interconnection and there was a lot more community community and a lot nature was a bigger part of the society. I think I mean it's easy to look back and say they had it better because, you know, we have this tendency to do that, but I do think there is something there in the way that if you look nowadays the way we relate to each other is very harsh there's a lot of lack of compassion mm-hmm. and i think that's because we just have a lot of pain that we haven't really dealt with and we don't know how to hold and cope mm-hmm. with so it yes. ends up leaking out and vomiting out yes, and, and firing and social out. media sometimes people getting attacked it's uh it gets quite it hurts me a lot when i see these you know i see a post about something and it gets turned and twisted and really that's just people like it, outwardly expressing their pain but it ends up easier when you're behind the screen and you do it on people you don't know know. yeah and I think one of the things is that like we all have this need to be seen and we all have this pain that at some point we weren't seen Mm -hmm. for our essence Mm -hmm. but then what happens is when we come into relationship you're not seeing me and I'm not seeing you and I'm saying you see me and and so you're saying you see me and I'm saying you see me uh-huh. Right, so we're, to be seen. we're kind of in this like stalemate, you mm-hmm. know, where if you see me, then I'll be happy, and if I see you, you'll be happy. But neither one of us has the capacity to just kind of because we both have this massive need unmet, so exactly. we don't have the capacity to give it to the other person exactly. as well. And it's 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 a tragedy, right? That like I can't see you because no one ever saw me. But then by not seeing you, I'm perpetuating that pain. Yes, and then I'm actually deepening your pain as well. I'm making you even more entrenched. Yes. So then the next person you met, you're going to be even less likely yes. to see them. And I think this is where, you know, acknowledging our own needs takes the burden off other people having to fulfill them. Yes. And also we we can either, you know, when we recognize we have this need to be seen, we can either get it from someone else who has capacity, you know, or give it to ourselves, you know, not try to get it from the person who doesn't have capacity for the same need. Exactly. And I love the way that you said that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not all about, oh, we have to only meet our own need because we're social creatures and actually we need each other. And that is the beauty of being human. And our nervous systems regulate with each other. So, you know, previously I always thought, oh, you don't need anyone else, right? But actually we do need, and it's okay to need. And allowing ourselves to receive from others is is a total healing medicine. And it reminds ourselves and it tunes us to know that I deserve to receive. I'm worthy mm-hmm. of, of receiving. But again, when we try to receive from someone who doesn't have capacity, then we're just going to create pain for ourselves and pain for the other person. And again, I think we all have this, you know, calling to increase our capacity. 
And the only way to do that is to look at our unmet needs and honor them and meet them ourselves and turn to the people who do have the capacity to meet it for us. And I think that would just create, you know, Gabor says this beautiful thing that it's the human human being's essence to give. Mm. And it's only when we have some kind of constriction or some kind of trauma that we say, I don't want to give anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, because we got hurt or we got let down. or, But when we actually go on this healing journey, we can really sink into that natural capacity to give, which makes us happy. We all know giving makes us happy. Mm-hmm. It's just that we give when we don't have the capacity or we give in the wrong places or we give out of expectation or pressure as opposed to that childlike joy, you know, of a child who just like got given a chocolate and it's like, look, I got a chocolate. Let's share it. You know, that that real giving just from no the place. mind. Yes. Yeah, just that is the yes. essence, right? Um and I think it's it's a really beautiful thing to strive for in your life to to have this, you know, capacity. Yes, uh, and I guess it just comes from the self-awareness of what needs am I not be you know, meeting with myself and what are the strategies that I can meet them? Sometimes we're not able to give ourselves love. It's just we try and we we just can't. And it's okay to get that from other people as a strategy. And then that helps us rebuild our own capacity for us to love ourselves. You know, that's why Definitely. we're so interconnected and we yeah. need each other. It's beautiful. Yeah. This process that I went through really um, forced me to open myself to receive the support of my friends. And I had to be more vulnerable because... I'm used to being strong. People see me as a strong character. I've held space for a lot of people. It's what I practically do for a living. So I have a big capacity to hold space for others. So it was easy for me to default into just being that. And when I got to that space where I literally just couldn't hold what I was going through anymore, I had to really turn to a lot of people like you and Larissa and Elena and Ilona and other friends that I have who really held space for me. And what I realized is that when you allow yourself to receive, you become a lot more abundant. Like Mm. I started, my therapist said this one thing to me, which really helped me, which she said, we shouldn't place the burden of being seen all on one person. Mm -hmm. Like very often we do Mm -hmm. this, especially in relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Like my partner needs to see me fully. And she was like, you know, she's like, I see you a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, and your sister sees you a little bit and Mm -hmm. your friend sees you Mm -hmm. a little bit. And, as soon as she said that, it's it's like I just went into this mindset of seeing how many people could see me and hold me. Maybe not 100%, yes. but maybe 10% was enough. Right? Yes. Like I have clients who, um, I met a client recently who I'd never met before and she just walked into Sanya to buy a voucher. And um, I was really touched by our conversation because she said, I'm really inspired. You know, we've never met, but I really feel blessed that you happen to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, when I walked in, I'm so lucky to have met you, you know, and I felt so touched. I was like, what? You know, like she feels lucky to, to meet me. Like uh-huh. it, it really nourished me that she saw me in that way. Now it's different from the way that you see me because yes. we've known each other since we were freaking nine years old. Uh-huh, You're never going to uh-huh. see me in that way that she saw me, mm-hmm. right? Yes, but then yes. you see me in a totally different way that you've seen my vulnerability, you've seen my past, you know, all of my ex-boyfriends, yeah. <laughs> right? So it's like we've seen each other in a different way. And mm-hmm. as soon as I shifted my mentality, it allowed me to receive from a lot of different people. And it's it's given me this intense feeling of abundance. Mm-hmm. You know, so I went from I'm sinking in my childhood pain and I wasn't seen in my childhood and all of that story to suddenly, as soon as I let myself feel that, actually I managed to open myself up to receive 
Yes, um, and also it gives you more creativity to think, okay, where, what are the other strategies that I can come up with that can meet this need? It doesn't have to be just from this one friend, you know. Yeah. Like what you mentioned in relationships, something I learned that was really key, um, which is what you touched on in nonviolent communication is this topic of like, so if I have my partner and, you know, I really wanted to spend the evening with him because I want some company and some love and some affection, you know, maybe he has other plans and he would really like to meet that need for me, but he's taking care of his own needs that may involve meeting other people. But it's my preference that he meets that need. But in the moment, it really feels like, no, my need is for you to spend time with me because you're the one who gives me that. And what I learned in MVC is that, no, it's your preference as a strategy that this person helps you meet that need. But you can be creative and find other strategies uh, that from other people that can help you meet that need or even yourself. But this thing of it's a preference, because sometimes you ask people, what's the need? I need you to, to meet me at this time, you know, and it's, it's not a need, it's a strategy. And this preference is so, so such a delicate detail, but it's really changed my outlook on it. Yeah. In fact, uh, as you first used that word strategy, my mind went straight to MVC, which for those listening who don't know, uh, MVC is uh, nonviolent communication and it's a, a school of learning how to communicate your needs in a more harmonious way. So, um, yeah, and Alex's uh, boyfriend, Rico, is um, a practitioner, yes, yes, right? Yes, now he's, uh, he's, 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 he's um, doing the certification and uh, he's training yeah. people and being trained. And, yeah, yes, we'll, uh, we'll have, be having some workshops actually at Sanya yes, uh -huh. um, coming soon. And it's really beautiful because, again, you know, all of these triggers, as you say, they end up in strategies of how we try to get love. And sometimes those strategies are a bit nefarious, you know, like they're not always pure. Like sometimes they can be a bit manipulative or a bit childish or a bit um, not conducive to the other person's well-being. Yes, it wouldn't be the best strategy, right? It's still like having the awareness that, okay, that strategy is trying to meet some needs. So you can empathize with the strategy, even if it was maybe not the best strategy. <laughs> but okay, how can I find a strategy that maybe meets more needs, not just this yeah. one need? And even just the awareness that we have yeah. a strategy, as yes. you said, and th uh -huh. that we're trying to get some kind of need met. Mm -hmm. I think so often we don't even realize that we're in pain because we're trying to meet a need and getting resistance from the outside world. Yes, and what's amazing is when I see him, for example, sometimes someone's sharing something and I'm like already like, you can do this and you can do that. And he's just like, gives them full attention, what they're feeling and what they're actually needing. And that's most of the time is just enough. Once they acknowledge, oh, actually, I just need some understanding. Oh, actually, I just need some empathy. Oh, I just need to be heard. Once people realize that, it's almost enough. And my like program is like, okay, how can we fix you? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And it's like, it's not helpful sometimes. Yeah. Very often it's not helpful actually. Yeah. But then once all this acknowledgement happens, then it's like, okay, um, now, what are the strategies that we can do to f to meet, you know, all these needs? Because often it's more than one need. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we get into so much trouble when we use these strategies to get our needs met, which are painful for the person, right? Obviously, in relationship, this comes up a lot, right? Because we have this default of expecting our partner to fulfill certain needs. And as the relationship even gets longer, those expectations become more entrenched. And when the person doesn't meet that expectation, we can go into blame and arguments and anger and aggression and so on. And I love NVC because it's just such a beautiful tool to make relationships more harmonious. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of our struggles come from our relationships because they're the ones that mirror, mm -hmm. you know, where we're still. Yes, and our relationship with ourselves as well, because you can catch all the judgments, all the doubt, all the, oh, it's, it's really powerful. Yes. So I wanted to ask you, what about Sanya? Should we talk a little bit yes. about like what's going on with yeah, Sanya? Yeah, for sure. 
Um, maybe a recap of the past year or what's coming up. Yeah, so it's really nice to just feel inspired again. You know, I'm sort of emerging from this cocoon <laughs> um, of my own, you know, inner work and my work with compassionate inquiry, sorting through a lot of, you know, new found issues <laughs> or let's say new layers new of surfaced. already known <laughs> issues. Um, and yeah, I, I think actually one of the things that I was really struggling with was because I've been generally quite a productive person. So it was really hard to just not feel that inspired to work and not have like my ideas. One of my greatest joys is being alone with my books and my inspirational things and just letting my ideas fly and brainstorming and creating. So it was really challenging for me to just surrender into the non-productivity. Um, and now that I'm emerging, it it feels really beautiful to have that inspiration. I feel very grateful for Sanya as a, as a platform because, I mean, this was just a dream, you know, to have a space where I could share all of the things that I love and that have helped me. Um, I posted a, a video recently of um, a Saturday morning here, which was I so... I saw it. I totally saw it. And I was getting the same feeling, like even just yeah. being here today. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, there's a lot of life in the space uh -huh. and we have a lot of events going on and there's just a lot of vibrancy. Yes. And that took a lot of hard work, you know, to build our audience, to keep, you know, spreading this message uh -huh. about Go Within and what Sanya's about and how we're not just like any other spa. Um, it was, you know, a long journey and it really feels beautiful to get to this space where there is this kind of momentum to our events and our activities. Um, but one thing that I really want to do this year is obviously finish my course. Um, and then I want to start integrating compassionate inquiry into some of the programs that we offer here. The Gabor Mate course. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. Um, because I feel like the inner child work has just given me so much and I want to share that with others. And, you know, I, I started a couple of years ago with this course called Holding Space which was in a way like a real lead up <laughs> into the work that I want to do now. Because as we said, you know, holding space for others is I think a really beautiful gift. And I think it forces us to learn more about ourselves, which is another gift. And now I want to add this lens of compassionate inquiry to really deepen the work of how can we learn how to hold space for ourselves and others? How can we be how can we cultivate a presence that is peaceful, inspiring and safe mm. for others? Mm -hmm. um, there was this quote that I shared recently, which said, you know, what if we judged ourselves by how safe others felt in our presence? And I would love, you know, mm. the Sanya audience to be touched by their experiences here enough that they go out into that world and be a safe space and be a bringer of peace and harmony as opposed to the judgment, the stress and the conflict that there is out there. Yes. One of the things that I mentioned in the last podcast was the Sangha. Um, I really want to create a community of people who are going within because we don't heal in a vacuum. That's, it's as simple as that. And, you know, nature has shown us that the best model for life is an ecosystem. And I don't want, you know, the work that we do at Sanya just to be about me and what I teach and what I share, but I want it to be about the ecosystem. Um, I, I shared this this quote actually with my work um, at Sherbin. Um, I, I'm probably not going to be able to sort of give you the exact wording, but the general idea was that um, a forest doesn't have one conductor, right? So there's no mm -hmm. one master tree who tells all the other trees, you know, how deep to grow their roots or when the rain is coming. It's actually more like a 
a harmony and a unity that they are reacting in the moment. So there's more rain today and then they react. Symbiotic relationships of everyone supporting each other. Exactly. And, you know, I've been so touched by the wisdom that our clients here have. You know, when we do tea ceremonies here, at the end, everyone shares their realizations and their their inspiration. And I wish I could bottle up all of their words and just, you know, spread them out into the world because there is so much wisdom in our client base. And I want to create a space where everyone can support each other and share their wisdom, whether that's people who facilitate or whether they just come as clients. I think we have a lot to learn from each other and we need each other. And life is just so much more beautiful, the more deep, open, authentic relationships you have. So that's really like 2023 for me and for Sanya. Of course, we're going to keep on doing all of the things that we do. But creating this community of people actually who are going to show up every month. The Sangha. sangha. Yeah. Yes, yes, the Sangha. Um, which is, it's a, a monthly gathering. So every month we're going to have in-person events. But there's also an online community as well with an online platform that I'm going to be launching shortly. Amazing. And um, where people can connect with even members who live in their area, even if they live overseas, they could find, you know, people in the Sangha who are um, in their area. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be a place where we can interact and support each other. So yes. creating community is really on the agenda for 2023. Yes. And I just want to say, because I happened to speak to one of your clients this morning and There's so much healing that happens here. Like she was sharing with me that uh, her name is Nina and um, I know she'd be happy to share this because she was raving about like how she's been coming here for seven years and she comes almost every day. And I was almost crying when she was sharing. She said she had a stroke and she, you know, she couldn't walk and she thought that her life was over and she started coming here and swimming in the pool every day and she made friends and she loves all the staff here. And, you know, just, it just completely saved her. She, She says, Sonia made me a wonder woman. It saved my life, you know, and I, she had tears in her eyes. I had tears in my eyes. It's like the impact that this place is having on people is so profound and so mass as well. Like so many people are touched even by a smile of someone who's working here, you know, and everyone's holding it all together. And it's, I really just want to, I don't know, honor you for creating all of that but with the vision and with your team and everyone that co-creates that because it's like, might not, people don't always share, but people are having a really profound effect. And it's not just the pool and the, the, you know, the the massage and all the therapies, the physical support for our bodies and our health, but also all the inner work that's encouraged here. And it's really not like a tab- taboo topic. It's a, like, this is really important for us. It's a valuable part of life. And it's very encouraging for everyone, like just to see the list of events you have going on here. It's like, it's incredible. It's, yeah. it's, uh, Thank it you. opens up to a lot of people, you know, these opportunities yeah. and this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. You know, sometimes I forget to just stop and appreciate how far we've come. Um, and because this is a labor of love, it means a lot to me to, to hold these kind of spaces. And I have to give credit to the team as well, because it's not easy to work in Sanya. Because, you know, especially the reception team, um, you know, some of their family. I remember Larissa had this when she first started here. Larissa's been here since day one. And I remember in the beginning, you know, friends and family said, oh, you're just going to be a receptionist. You know, you could do so much better. Like, why don't you leave Sanya and go and do other things? And it's not easy to hear that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you take Larissa, I mean, she's so much more, like her her title, but now she's the manager, but her title for many years was receptionist. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. she holds space, Mm -hmm. right? She's an ambassador. She's actually giving people advice. She's sharing her opinion. She's guiding people. 
Um, she then eventually started teaching yoga. You know, she spent last weekend in family constellation. So she's doing so much work on herself, not to become a better manager at Sanya, but to become a better space holder so that when someone comes in and is having a bad day, she can feel them and offer them compassion. Right. And that's something that is it's a vocation. You know, you do that. You know, Larissa's still here, not because, you know, the pay is the best in the world or because, you know, this is a title that can impress, you know, society. She's here because she truly gets fulfilled by holding space for others. And I have to credit them all, right? I'm just mm-hmm. using Larissa as an example, but actually all of the team yes. here are on this similar journey in their own way. And as I said, like sometimes it's easy to just walk away and say, you know, when you get triggered or when something, some issue happens, it's very easy to say like, oh, it's the workspace. Like I'm going to go mm-hmm. and, and find something else. But actually when we can, you know, as a work team, hold space for those triggers and actually be a container for the self-development of the people in it. I don't meet most of our members. Mm-hmm. That's the reality because mm-hmm. I'm doing other things. I'm here, you know, today we've spent an hour or so in this room. All the meantime, people are coming in and out of here not having met me. Yes. But they've met Larissa and yes. they've met Meltem and yes. they've met Becky, yes. right? And they've met all of Kula. the other people who are, you know, an ambassador of yes. what Sanya is all about. Yes. Um, in fact, this woman, Nina, she was just like, all oh, these women, they're so amazing. They're part of my family. I go home, talk to my husband about them. They're part of my family. Like, it was so sweet, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, just so touching. Yeah. So it's a credit to them for, you know, really doing a lot of work on themselves because it's not easy. Um, and I'm very grateful that people come in here and feel that because I I never wanted Sanya to be just another spa. I, I never had any intention to open a spa, right? And really, we're not a spa. We're actually mm-hmm. a wellness center and so much more. Mm-hmm. And I like that people feel the soul here because it's something that we do put attention to. Yes, because in a way, it, it, it maybe sometimes it attracts people to do, let's say, well-being on a physical level. But then once you're here, it's an, also an invitation to work on the inner in a world in terms of your self-care, you know? Yeah. And it's great because it, it's like almost a platform for people to like just step in. Maybe you just want to check out the spa or have an ice bath. But then you realize, oh, there's all these other things that can support my well-being. Yeah. And that's great for people because yeah. they might not be exposed to this sort of, yeah. um, you know, workshops that you have here and compassionate inquiry and all yeah. these incredible things. Yeah. And I think this is why it was also a bit hard for me to go through a bit of a rough time the last few months because... You know, when you're in that state, you find it more difficult to connect with people because you're very overwhelmed by your own emotion. Um, so, yeah, again, you know, I'm going to say it for the third time, I like credit to the team, right? Because they stepped up and also were that presence when I couldn't be. And sometimes I couldn't give them, you know, the quality of attention and presence that I would like to because of my own, mm-hmm. um, my own journey. But that's the beauty of community, right? That mm-hmm. usually we don't all break down at the same time. You know, <laughs> we, there's always one person that's maybe going through a little bit of a tough time and everyone's rallying around them. And then, you know, we all take it in turns yes. to hold space for each other. And that's what I want to spread wider amongst the client base, you know, to bring people into that way of living and way of supporting each other, because I think it's it's really crucial. And in a world where we've become quite isolated, um, you know, there's a lot of statistics nowadays about loneliness and you depression, know, anxiety, you yeah. know, the, the isolation that yeah. people feel, especially in a post-COVID world. Um, and the, the physical health toll of loneliness is like smoking one or two packets of cigarettes a day. So it's really toxic for us to mm-hmm. feel isolated and disconnected. Yes. Um, 
And at the same time, it's not easy to connect when you're in pain. So we need those spaces where we can put the pain down and unpack it and just see it with love and compassion and and support. In reality, these needs are our basic human needs, you know, connection, community, um, touch, intimacy. They're all like basic human needs. That's in what's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Without them, you don't survive just like... You know, maybe not on the same level as like oxygen and shelter, but but there yeah. on, on the list, like yeah. we need them, and yeah. maybe we just don't realize that you know um, it's important for us to find strategies to meet those needs, whether yeah. it's in different ways. Yeah, definitely. I mean, going back to the child, you know, like it's very hard for the child to reconcile these needs, especially when they're not getting met. Mm-hmm. So as an adult, we also struggle, you know, because mm-hmm. we've got those remnants of those coping mechanisms and beliefs and. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, graduating from this course. I still have, you know, another sort of six months to actually get properly certified. But um, I'm really looking forward to bringing more of this way of thinking and this philosophy into the work that we do here because it's given me a lot on a personal level. Okay, so I have a question for you. What about for someone who's maybe never been to Sanya and really is a bit curious about going on a bit more of an inner journey? And like, where where would you recommend someone starts? Because it might maybe sound like a lot or feel like you have a lot of services here, like where would you recommend someone starts to just sort of yeah. dip their toe into this world and, you know, explore something you know, some within a bit? Yeah, super question. <laughs> um, I think it really depends on the, the person. Um, so I would just tell them to reach out to us and just like tell us where you're at and we'll guide you. Um, whether that's myself, or whether that's any of the mm-hmm. rest of the mm-hmm. team, you know, they have a lot of experience now, mm-hmm. the girls, and they've they will do all of our services here. So, I mean, I love meeting people one-on-one and, mm-hmm. and giving them any sort of, you know, support that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we often get people just emailing us and saying like, hey, you know, I just went through this operation and I'd like to do this and I'd like to get here mm-hmm. or there. Like, what do you recommend for me? Yes. And we're always happy because there are a lot of services here and there's a lot of things you can yes, do. Uh-huh. And it's really, you know, each person needs to experiment and find the things that, yes, that work uh-huh. for them. And because there's so many different things, it's... I think even just stepping in here is a good start as well. Like, you know, maybe this is, if this is all quite new, you could just do a yoga class, you know, or like use the pool or, and then it will open some more and more doors and curiosity as well, because some people find it even hard to ask for help, you know, and to reach out and be vulnerable and say, I need some, some help. I know that a lot of people have that. So what's great about here is that even if you just walk through the door and have a, you know, um, a chai latte in the cafe or have a nice juice or, that's already a good start, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I often walk into the changing rooms to go to the bathroom <laughs> and I find one member like counseling another member and like giving her a little pep talk and like, hey, you can do it. Or, um, you you know. can just go to the bathroom. So yeah, just come to enough. the bathroom at Sanya and <laughs> your inner journey will start. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> nice. Um, I, I wanted to ask about the festival. Yeah. If you're ready awesome. to share about yes, it. Yes, I am. I don't have a date, um, but the festival was something we used to do before COVID. And it was just like a two-day event where we just have tasters of all of our workshops, all of our treatments, inspirational talks, and so on. Um, and we're going to bring that back in April. So we're going to have a two-day open day here. I'm very excited for that. Um, <laughs> something really beautiful has actually been just the amount of facilitators asking us to collaborate Um, So we've just been getting so many requests for people to host workshops here. And that's really beautiful for me because, I mean, just today I was talking to a lady in Australia who wants to do somatic, you know, dance therapy um, workshops here at Sanya, which, you know, that's what we started talking about, right? Like the power of the somatic Mm -hmm, practice mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. dance is so healing. 
So mm. I'm looking forward to, you know, gathering more facilitators as well, offering their different stuff and, and, you know, weaving it all together. And I think the festival is the best time for us to be able to give people a taste of all the yes, different so stuff rich. available. So rich because like already if you bring the facilities that you already have and all the treatments, like it's such a rich experience to offer that, you know, in two, three days. Yeah. Um, and that's also a great opportunity for someone to delve into this world. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, sincerity along the inner journey, like even when you just say, I'm ready to prioritize my inner world, like that's a powerful intention. And I really believe, I mean, me, myself, I had that intention. And then the universe put that book, that person, that trip, that, you know, and you just follow the thread, you know, Joseph yes. Campbell, the hero's journey talks about the thread, you know, following the thread of the hero's journey. Yes. And sometimes we just need to start small and go with the heart and really feel, okay, I'm just going to make this small step. And every step leads you to another step. Mm. Um, yes. that That's the magic of the journey, you know, that mm -hmm. even if we had to plan it ourselves, the universe is just going to plan it so much better. <laughs> yes, and maybe there's someone listening to this who's already feeling some sort of urge, pull towards, you know, this sort of life. It doesn't have to be at Sanya, anywhere. Yeah. That's that feeling we get inside that calling that's yeah. like you know you can't deny that the mind can't deny yeah. that we know it's there and i mean nowadays we all have that in a way so many books so many podcasts so many videos i mean the amount of support that you can get and inspiration is huge um i'm a big advocate obviously for like the mentorship relationship because it's impacted me a lot so I think there is something to be said from having personal guidance and intimate. Yes, because you do um, one on support. ones, right? Maybe you can elaborate on that. Yeah, um, but I, I wasn't meaning, you know, that they have to. No, come but to I'm me, curious like as well because I, I know that you're having more and more of these sort of clients, and I, you always tell me how powerful it is, and I think that's also uh, quite interesting for people to know that you offer that as well. Yeah, so I do offer one on one sessions mm -hmm. um, where I use, you know, I draw on my sort of experience, my own personal experience. Um, I'm not a psychotherapist, I'm not a doctor, um, I'm just a yoga practitioner, yoga student. Um, obviously now with the CI training, I'm bringing a lot of elements of compassionate inquiry into it. So, I mean, what I do with each client is very different. Sometimes we meditate, sometimes we talk, sometimes we go into the body and feel. But it's always with that intention of just going within and knowing yourself and, and finding a bit of emotional calmness, right? Like trying to get a sense of harmony with our own feelings. That's, I could say, the intention mm -hmm. of the sessions. Um, but as I said, you know, just the student relationship, I've, um, you know, been really helped by my own therapist in the last few months. And I just believe a lot in having someone that can really get to know us and mm. know the nuances of our coping mechanisms. Mm. Uh, because sometimes, you know, my, my therapist would pass comments about me. And she would say, oh, you know, you're like this. Um, she, she told me one thing which I can share because it's, it's not really personal but she said you know you're a very intense person you feel everything at like 100 you know and she just goes can you just like ramp down the volume a bit sometimes because sometimes you need to be at work <laughs> and you need to be like not at 100 and as soon as she said that to me I was like wow like it was such a beautiful reflection to one see myself like yeah maybe I am quite intense and maybe I can just like have that capacity to just lower the volume instead of feeling overwhelmed by that intensity. And she did this whole visualization with me where we, um, she asked me to choose a mechanism for like lowering the volume. You know, she said like that can be like turning down the valve on a tap or it could be, um, I can't remember the other ones. Like a physical me. movement. Yeah, like a sort okay. of visualizing like a tap with water and you're just like closing a bit the valve. Mm. You know, she said like choose something like that. 
Um, and yeah, my mind just went to this really beautiful metaphor of being at Pepe's land. And I don't know if you remember, he has these like um, fountains. Uh, fountains is the wrong word, but they're like these sort of um, trees. I know what you're talking about. You know, and um, they flow. Um, uh-huh, so they structurize the water. Yes, so they're yes, flowing. Yes. They revitalize know. the water. Exactly. So there was this uh-huh. water flowing from like one sink to the other sink to the other sink in a trail and then it's eventually into Steine, the pond. No? It's of Steine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and my mind just went to there mm-hmm. and visualized myself like putting rocks on the edge to like just soften the water flow with the rocks, mm-hmm. you know? And it was, it was so beautiful that my mind, I don't even know where it came from, mm-hmm. this metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really helped me then, you know, in my subsequent days, I was just like, every time I felt a bit intense, I just went into my mind. I was just like, I'm just going to put a couple of rocks you know, on that flow. <laughs> Like it's okay, I'll yeah. deal with you later. Yes, yes, like the yes. water's still there, it's in the pond, and when I go yes. home, I'm gonna I'm gonna tend to you. But I don't need that waterfall right now in this yes, moment. And yes. um, so little things like this, you know, a person has to know you and they have to have witnessed you and and been with you for some time to be able to give you that kind of reflection that can really just be super helpful. Mm-hmm. That's not something you can get from YouTube, right? Or from a book necessarily. Yes. Wow, amazing. I'm just wondering, do we have more time? Yeah, I have no idea. I, I didn't keep any clock handy today. So I think, unless you have any other questions, we mm, can... I think I feel quite complete. Yeah, uh-huh. cool. It's a lot to absorb. Whilst I have you here, maybe we can end with just you sharing a little bit about what you've been up to with Deep Ecology, because you know, you're also an incredible host Aww. and you're going to be doing some stuff at the Sanya Festival, apart from all of your beautiful contributions that you give in many ways here but I think deep ecology is really beautiful and it's something a bit hard to explain so maybe what to have you here mm-hmm. for those people who would be yes, curious uh, it's a good time as well because I've done a lot of facilitation um, support I got I'm doing a course actually to uh, like I guess deepen this topic um, how I share it because I've been sharing it for a few years now but so basically it's called the work that reconnects and it was um, invented by this woman called Joanna Macy and also another woman called Molly Brown and basically they were activists in the 70s and they were finding that it was really difficult to um to just to, to make change you know so they discovered that through this type of work the work that reconnects um when people have the capacity to really connect to what's going on in the world and allow what's within to surface that that has a higher capacity for change because it allows us to feel that deeper connection with ourselves, with each other and with the planet. And from that space, we're much more motivated to make positive change. And really what they call it, so many different things, despair work, you know, or feeling the grief of the world. So just like we have suppressed emotions that we, from our own traumas, the fact that the whole world is experiencing trauma on a day-to-day basis in so many ways and wars and animals becoming extinct and deforestation and all of these things they affect us but again we've created a coping mechanism to not feel everything because it's too much if we had to feel all of the pain that's happening in the world but this work helps us to really connect with the fact that if something's happening to you or to someone i don't know in uganda um you know other countries it's happening to me on 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 a on a on a certain level but we've come accustomed to suppressing that just like we suppress our own emotions. So this work sort of creates space for us to feel that grief of what's going on in the world because it does affect us and allowing what's within to resurface is what this, what the space does really. It's mm-hmm. not about trying to make people feel pain of what's going on, but allowing what's, because we're all affected by different topics. You might be caring about the elephants, you know, or I'm caring about, I don't know, children 
you know, how being abused, it's there's, there's actually a lot happening that it's so easy for us to just scroll past on Facebook because that's again another coping mechanism because we can't feel everything. We're, we're, we don't have the capacity to feel the pain I just, of everything. I just had to let out a yawn whilst you were going through all of that. It's like, release it! Release, yes. <laughs> release it so it's, much. It can be quite heavy. Like, you know, it's not for everyone maybe, but it's actually, if we spend more time grieving about what's actually going on in our world, about how things are not the way we would like, that is super healing for ourselves and also for the collective world. Because there is a, the reality is these things are happening and we don't always acknowledge them because it's it's heavy. And doing that as a group, together allows us to pass through that and the more that we do that the more we feel connection to these deeper issues that are affecting our world and we have the capacity to you know move past that and overcome that and the more people that that do this work the more capacity there is for for change yeah and it brings the joy right like exactly exactly i mean it's it's a spiral so you go through gratitude Mm -hmm. despair it's like you know not just sort of taking everyone to the pain Mm -hmm. it's a process you Mm -hmm. know and it's often with some physical activities and you know sometimes some creativity some artwork and it's like a it's a really beautiful powerful work and for me as a person who i just i love community i just believe in like as soon as you look into someone's eyes and you realize well we're all just connected to each other as human beings that can be the most powerful thing and it's so easy for us to feel connected to someone we just met mm-hmm. instantly and yeah. that realization is is very profound yeah and for me uh this work is just really it feels close to my heart and i want to take people on longer journeys now because i've been sharing this sort of work for a while but i want to go on longer journeys now mm-hmm. So I'm excited to share this at the festival as well. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, me and Simon, mm-hmm. in the last episode, we spoke a lot about the grief and, you know, this connection between our inner grief and the outer grief. Um, it was actually a super beautiful conversation. So if you're listening and haven't checked it out, then then check it out. Um, awesome. Super. Good place to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Started with the personal, we went into the collective. Mm, nice. Next stop, universal. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you everyone for listening. I super appreciate um, that people resonate with these topics. Go within means the world to me, as hopefully you can tell by the passion that we put into these conversations and also into Sanya in general. It is really nice to hear from you, the audience. So if this conversation touched you in any way, are there any topics that you'd like to hear more about, then please do let us know. Um, It touches my heart to know that people are listening and that these conversations actually support you in some way. And if you can share like and do all of those things that you're supposed to tell people to do on social media (laughs) (laughs) and even look back at the other conversations right the ones you started out were also super rich and sometimes i scroll through and i listen to an old one and they're still so relevant and profound you know and just for me it's a great reminder that there's all these other conversations that you've been doing over the years yeah this Uh this there's actually quite a bank now because I realize I've been doing this since like 2015 or something like that. So there's, there's quite Whoa. a few years of episodes. Yes, because yeah. oh, so we years, started yeah. Sanya in 2016 and I actually started the podcast before Sanya. Mm. It was the Grassy ah, Hopper podcast originally. Yes, okay. I so remember. yeah, it's it's been quite a while of podcasting and, and recording these episodes. So there is quite a bank there and I do really want to bring more love into this podcast over this year. So we have quite a few episodes already planned for mm. this year. So yeah, hopefully we can nourish our audience mm-hmm. through through these conversations. So I mean, for January, quite a good start. You did yeah, two already. Two already. Yes, uh, yeah, we're good, on track. Good sign of what's yeah, to come. Exactly. So thank you all and hope to see you at a Sanya event or 
share a moment in the sauna at some point. <laughs> I've been making more of an effort to jump in the sauna and the ice bath myself. So hope to catch you around. And if you do see me around, please come and say hi. I love to chat with all of our clients here and receive all of your nuggets of wisdom that you all have. Thank you and see you next time. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.